Hi, this is Kim Stinger, Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek Continues. All hailing frequencies are now open for the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast. I am your co-host, Bill Smith, and joining me, as he does every episode, is a man in zero danger of becoming a template for eugenics, the biologically challenged Dan Davidson. Dan, how are you, buddy? I'm, pr- I'm really good, Bill. Let me ask you a question, though. Yeah. Have you ever seen Caddyshack? Yeah. The movie? Okay. You know that part <laughs> That's supposed to Caddyshack Chase? the TV series? Yeah. <laughs> Well, or Caddyshack 2, which is such a classic. But there's that scene where Chevy Chase is talking to Ted Knight in the bar, and he goes, you know, Judge, my father never liked you. That's me talking to you right now. Your dad loves me. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Very, very good. Uh, How you doing, man? (laughs) I'm doing great, buddy. Um, You you were getting ready to head off on vacation, which is good. The house of the mouse is calling. But uh, I'm sure you're going to have a great time. I hear the weather's supposed to be fabulous. But before you go, we have some unfinished business, and that is today's episode, which is episode 14. Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about who we're going to be talking to today? Well, uh, it's um, it's quite a it's quite a feat, actually. Um, we're both extremely proud to uh, bring this guest on today. Uh, he is the brainchild behind Star Trek Continues. He is the executive producer. He is the star as Captain James T. Kirk, and he is Mr. Vic Mignogna, and he is uh, amazing to talk to. There's really no other description for it. It was it was a it was a great conversation, and uh, we are thrilled to have him on the show. I think that the thing that impressed me right up front about Vic is his passion, and I think that's going to be pretty evident to uh, to everybody listening today. Um, he probably is the single most passionate person in the Star Trek universe right now. I think that's I think that's a fair statement, wouldn't you say, Dan? Absolutely, and you can tell from the very first sentence that comes out of his mouth, and it carries on for the entire interview, and it just gets stronger and stronger. I think as we as we continue to talk to him about the show and and the new episode coming out in just a few weeks' time. Um, it was it was it was an honor to talk to someone who, in my opinion, is so high up on that Star Trek uh, leaderboard. I guess you could say. And uh, I think it's safe to say it's an insightful hour. It's an interesting hour, and I think that you'll get a glimpse into his calculus in bringing us Star Trek continues. Not only as a producer and an actor, but also as a true fan. So mm-hmm. sit back and enjoy episode fourteen with Mr. Vic Mignogna. Okay, folks, uh, over the uh, course of the last few months, we've had the privilege of speaking with several cast members from Star Trek Continues uh, to discuss what it's been like to be part of this incredible phenomenon. Uh, Well, today, the Star Trek Continues train keeps rolling along, and it is rolling in a big way. Today's guest is, in my opinion, the man who currently sits on the throne as the king of Star Trek as we know it today. He's an established actor singer, songwriter, and is a renowned anime and video game voice actor. But for today's conversation, we're going to focus on his contributions as an executive producer, director, actor, and brainchild behind this phenomenon that is Star Trek Continues. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege and honor to introduce to the Trek Geeks podcast, Captain James T. Kirk himself, Mr. Vic Mignogna. And wow. Vic, I guess the only thing I can say is welcome aboard, Captain. My goodness. I, I don't think... Uh, I don't think... 
I don't think I ever want to leave the house after that introduction. <laughs> it took him a week to <laughs> write it. Very, very kind. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Well, we are we're thrilled to have you. Um, first of all, uh, got to give some congratulations to the entire cast as a whole. Uh, this past weekend at Trek Lana uh, continues one an award for best dramatic presentation long form at the uh, Independent Trek Fan Film Awards. Uh, so congratulations to the whole Thank cast. And uh, special congratulations to you for winning the Best Actor Award. That's awesome. I know. I was pretty. I was pretty surprised. You know, guys, we um, <clears throat> we were contacted uh, early on by Treklanta asking us uh, if we wanted to submit. And I talked to to my production team about it. And you know, in the spirit of Star Trek, we felt like maybe we didn't want to necessarily compete against other fan productions you know what i mean we we mm-hmm. didn't want it to be a competition sure we're sure. all doing something we love and all contributing to this to this iconic uh show that we love so much so we decided not to submit huh. wow. uh, to the to the to the awards competition and uh the the trek land of people decided that they really wanted us to be a part of the competition regardless so uh they just kind of went ahead and and included us, and we were surprised and honored, uh, certainly by the uh, by the awards. That must show the uh, the uh, extreme amount of love that the fans have for the project that you're doing. It's uh, well, I hope so because we certainly have a lot of love ourselves for it. Um, it comes from a very very deep place of passion and nostalgia and childhood inspiration. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know we're having a, a great time and. There's nothing more gratifying than doing something that you've dreamed of doing, something that you've always wanted to do, and have other people appreciate it and enjoy it as well. Wow! Well, it, uh, at this at this point, the um, the award shelf at uh, at the studio is probably getting a little crowded at this point. Well, what's funny is you know it, we've we've not even every time one of my production team contacts me and says, "Hey, do you want to enter such and such?" I'll be like, um, okay. I don't even, you know, it doesn't really occur to me about entering competitions and film festivals and stuff. But, you know, we've only been around for not even two years yet, and uh, and and have been very very fortunate for the few, just the handful of things that we've entered, we have we have received some awards for, and we're quite humbled and honored by that. Well, it, it has to be equally humbling to to look at the response from the latest Kirk starter. You figure you had over 2,600 individual contributors, including Dan and myself, and you raised over 214,000. Oh, it's our pleasure, believe me. What's what's it like been like from that perspective to see that kind of devotion from the fan base? Well, you know, a lot of people don't know this, you guys, but when we started this production, uh, your fans, your your uh, your listeners should know that I'm just getting over a little bit of a of a cold, so I apologize if I cough a little bit. No, oh, no problem. Um, when I started Star Trek Continues, um, a lot of people asked me how I intended to fund that very first episode, uh, Pilgrim of Eternity. And they asked me if I was going to to launch a Kickstarter, and I said no, because I felt like it was fundamentally wrong. I felt like it was unethical to ask people to give me money for something I had not proven I could do. Oh. I, I, have a real, I have a real thing about people that ask people, fans to give them money for something that they have neither the experience nor the track record to do. Um, I don't know how many other Kickstarters you guys are familiar with, but there certainly have been a large number of Kickstarters that have fallen flat. Fans have given thousands of dollars and where is it? Right. So in my mind, in my heart, in my conscience, I didn't want to ask people to give me money for something that I had not yet done or had not yet proven I could do. So the very first episode that we ever made, I funded personally. Every penny came out of my savings account, and I felt like the best way I could prove my passion for the project and my capabilities was to put my own money where my mouth is. So I did that. We made the first episode. And then after we got such a positive response and we had a proof of concept, if you will, Mm -hmm. then it became time. Then it came time that I thought, well, if people want to see more of what we've proven we could do, 
then now's a good time to launch a Kickstarter. So we launched our first Kickstarter uh, to make three more episodes, and the fans were very generous and gracious a year ago. And we raised enough to make three more episodes, and that's exactly what we did. Yeah. We made two, three, and four. And everyone, in my opinion, kind of gets better than the last in different ways. And then we launched another Kickstarter to do five, six, and seven. Um, but I am all about stewardship of the fans' money, and and I feel very, very strongly about that. You know, a lot of people raise a lot of money and a lot of expectations under the name Star Trek. And I want Star Trek continues to be one of those productions that not only makes great content, but they do it exactly the way they said they were going to do it, in the time frame they said they were going to do it, with the money they said they needed to do it. Wow, that's that that type of philosophy is is so great to hear. And from the first episode, uh, you totally proved uh, what you were capable of doing, and we've enjoyed each one so far. Um, we've heard stories, Vic, uh, and thank you very much, uh, Michelle, for sharing this information uh, about your passion for the show. Um, and what drove you to start these continuing voyages? Uh, was there one specific moment where you said, this is how we can do it and do it right? Or was it something over time that, uh, that brought this well, about? Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing for sure, guys, and I know I'm not alone here. I know that there are a lot of guys just like me, probably a similar age. And when we were 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, we became inspired by Star Trek. I, when I was a little boy, I never built props until I started watching Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And when I was a little boy, I never made costumes until I started watching Star Trek. And when I was a little boy, I never thought of getting a home movie camera and rounding the kids in the neighborhood up and making episodes and building sets in the backyard in the woods behind our apartment building until I watched Star Trek. Right. So I credit the original series of Star Trek with having literally jump-started my creativity and my, my passion to build things and make things. And, and I loved that show so much. And now fast forward four decades, <laughs> and over the years, I've spent all of these years developing skills in acting I've trained in acting, and I've been on stage a thousand times and, and played roles in hundreds of different productions, and I've majored in film in college. So I studied film and how to shoot and how to light and how to direct and how to edit and how to sound design and building props and making costumes and building sets and all of it, every element of production. And about 10 years ago, I was invited to be a part of another fan production that shall remain nameless. And when I walked into that production within five minutes, I looked around and I thought to myself, my God, this could be done so much better on such a higher level of efficiency and quality. And as I would watch other productions, I thought, you know, these guys mean well. It's nothing personal, but you know, the acting is not strong. The, uh, the element, different elements of production could be improved upon. And so little by little, an idea started forming in my mind. And after directing uh, an episode of another fan production, uh, I decided that maybe I would try my hand at, at bringing together a group of skilled people, friends, actors, artisans that I knew and liked and also shared a passion for Star Trek and see if we could make something that just kicked the bar up a few notches. And, uh, and I feel like we did that. And I feel like Lolani uh, even, even, even worked better in some ways and certainly fairest of them all, uh, even more so. And episode four, I'm so very, <coughs> excuse me, very excited. <laughs> about episode four, because where episode three was very much of an action-oriented, excuse me, a very action-oriented, aggressive, uh, fast-paced episode in true Star Trek fashion, episode four is going to be a very character-driven, very dramatic mm -hmm. 
character-centric episode. And, uh, and I think it, uh, once again, addresses a very relevant uh, theme and ethical uh, issue that all people can identify with. So I'm very hopeful that, that it will be received well. Yeah, Vic, was it that, that passion you have that, um, that, that sort of led you onto the set? And was it intimidating at all the first day standing on those sets as, as Captain Kirk for the first time? Did you have yes. this total fanboy moment and then of this, oh my God? No, I don't think I had a fanboy moment at all. Okay. I had a come to Jesus moment. Wow. I had a moment where I thought to myself, Vic, for 45 years, 40, for 40 <laughs> years, you have dreamed. I'm, I'm 52. So for 40 years, you have dreamed of being in a perfect uniform and standing on a perfect bridge and being Captain Kirk. And now's the time to put up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have these visions and fantasies about doing these certain things, and then they do it, and it, and they're like, "Oh my God, I'm horrible," you know, or "Oh my God, I look horrible in this uniform," or "I can't act my way out of a wet paper bag." What was I thinking? And so, at that moment, when we shot the first thing we shot, I thought, "Well, now the world is going. Well, now I'm going to know." And everybody's going to know whether or not this is this was a good idea or not. <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, it certainly was a good idea. Uh, um, we talked about this just a few minutes ago that uh, for the first episode, you donated all of your time, energy, and funding for the first episode. And yet, all, with all of the other episodes, two, three, and coming up four, um, all of the cast members and all the people behind the, the behind the camera, excuse me, don't actually receive a dime for this project. Um, that being said, was it difficult for you to assemble the players to make all of this happen? And uh, did you know what actors you wanted for the crew? Uh, and was it difficult to get them to sign on? Um, well, first of all, the people that I asked to work with me from a production standpoint, from a crew standpoint, are people that I knew before, people that I've known already and worked with in other capacities. And I told them what I wanted to do. And I told them, look, you need to understand from the outset, nobody's going to get rich off this. This is not about making money. It's about making something very special and very nostalgic that hundreds of thousands of people around the world are going to love. And that has to be worth something. Maybe not in dollars and cents, but I promised everybody involved that it would not cost them money to be a part of this. In mm -hmm. other words, if I hired you to come down and be my sound man, Dan, I would pay your flight. I would pay your hotel. We would feed you. You would get a daily per diem. And, and, and I would make sure that your expenses were taken care of to be a part of the production. Yeah. And that's what we do. Now, as far as the cast is concerned, I have a lot of actor friends, and uh, a couple of them in particular I, I thought might be really good for certain roles, and I asked them, and they, they enthusiastically agreed, and I'm very, I'm very proud that we have the same team assembled for every episode. Um, you know, I've always thought it's kind of unfortunate when you see other productions with, you know, three different Ahuras and four different Chekhovs and right. three Spocks and, and, you know, four Sulus. And, and, I mean, to be honest with you, that's the nature of a voluntary production. You always take the risk that if you're not paying somebody a, a fair amount of money, you always take the risk that maybe something better is going to come along or their, their schedule's just not going to permit it. But from the very, very onset, I looked every single person in this production in the face. I looked them directly in the eyes and I said, listen, I can't promise you lots of money, but I can promise you we're going to make something extraordinary and you're going to be a part of something that a ton of people are going to love. And, you know, you might get, 
you might get $1,000 a day to be a part of an indie film that no one will ever see. Or you may get paid, you know, just, just $100 a day to be a part of something that over 2 million people will see. Right. So it really comes down, to, you know, to, to, to whether or not you feel like it's worth it. And I'd like, to, I'd like to think that everybody involved in Star Trek Continues does feel that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, Vic, in the, uh, in the original series, we essentially had Kirk, Spock, and McCoy as a Freudian trio. And the other bridge officers contributed, but they weren't featured nearly as prominently. Uh, Continues seems to do a very effective job of spreading out those moments among characters. Has that been difficult to do while maintaining the feel and atmosphere of the original series? I appreciate you asking that question, and I would submit to you that while we, while I have purposefully written into some of our stories a great little story arc for Uhura, for instance, in Pilgrim of Eternity, or a neat little story arc with Sulu out on the hull uh, in the EVA scene in Pilgrim, right? Or, uh, or more for Doctor McKenna in uh, in Lolani, or uh, what have you. Um, I do want to say this. We're making classic Trek. We're not making movie Trek. And you guys know the series as well as I do. And in the original series, it was about Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Mm-hmm. And occasionally there was a Scotty story. And occasionally there might be an Uhura or a Chekhov or a Sulu story. But it was primarily about Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And so... It wasn't until the movie era that they started presenting them as an ensemble and everybody had to have their own story arc doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. If we come across a story that has a great story arc for Chekhov, by golly, we'll do it. But we're not going to look for those stories and we're not going to force uh, moments into, you know what I mean? Into those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, in my, in my mind, my, my philosophy about Star Trek continues is story, 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 story. It's all about the story. It's not about, Oh, well, I only had 10 lines this time. Well, it's not about that. I'm right. sorry. Um, it's not about, Hey, let's tell a story where we can get Nichelle Nichols to be a guest star. No, we're not we're not structuring stories around other ele- uh, around other factors. If somebody gives me a great story, then we'll do the story. And whatever the story requires is what we will do. But I want to continue classic Trek in the way the original series did it. My intention all along has been to continue and possibly finish the five-year mission. That's the long-term goal of Star Trek continues. And we've got great actors in every role. And if uh, a story calls for a, a moment, I know our actors can do it. But I, I also think that they understand the dynamic of, of the production. Okay. Um, <clears throat> speaking of stories, uh, we're about a month away uh, from the premiere of Episode 4, The White Iris, uh, which will be premiered at Phoenix Comic Con. Now, I know it's not going to be much, but we, we still have to throw the bone out there to you. Uh, what can you tell us? Anything? Anything? <laughs> I will say the poster that was released last night is just, wow. We've it been is, talking oh, about it all day. Oh, it looks fantastic. Oh, good. Good. Well, there are little elements on the poster that are giveaways. Uh-huh. I kind so of thought so. Is, pardon me? I kind of thought so. Okay. Well, for instance, you see Colin Baker. Yes, we all knew that Colin Baker, uh, the sixth doctor from Doctor Who, was our guest star. Um, so you see him there. Um, get just kind of a... <coughs> I know he's washed out in the purple monochromatic uh, thing, but you get an idea, of rough idea of what he looks like. Um, you can see the Enterprise orbiting a planet mm-hmm. with a, another planet in the background. Uh, that's That's a... A story element. Interesting. Huh. Um, and you, uh, and there's something else, and I'm not even going to draw attention to it because I want people to, to see it for themselves and and make up, you know, kind of come up with their own conjecture. I will tell you this: it's a this is a very Kirk centric story. It's okay. a very personal Captain Kirk story. Um. And uh, it addresses something that I 
always had a problem with about the perception of Captain Kirk. Interesting. Um, I, I've always loved him. I've always loved the, the, the character and the role and Bill for that matter. And I, there is an element of his character that the average person on the street would attribute to Captain Kirk that I feel is inconsistent with his character as a moral leader of men and an admirable role model kind of a guy. And so I wanted to craft a story that shows another side of Captain Kirk, um, that shows a struggle that we all deal with, that makes Captain Kirk a little more like you and me and a little, you know what I mean, a little less the unattainable, perfect, always has the right answer, always makes the best decision, has no regrets, has no guilt, has no skeletons, has no shame. That's not consistent. That's not reality. No. Um, and and so I, myself and, and Chris White came up with this story, and the people that have, in our team that have seen the, the, the episode's done. I mean, it's done. But the people that have seen it have been in tears um, by the end of the episode because they found it extremely powerful. And I know that it's a departure from Fairest of Them All, but I'm hoping that people appreciate it for the the depth of, of story, <clears throat> the storytelling that it is. Uh that's the most we've gotten, and I don't even know what to say. I'm kind of speechless right now. <laughs> I, I definitely am speechless. Um, so four is done, like you said. Um, yes, five so is five, and so is five. five. Yep. Okay. Um, and and uh, yeah, I'm I'm very proud of this, you guys. Um, you remember how we were talking earlier about stewardship? Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> about good use of the fans' money. You know, if fans gave us a lot of money, I could go buy us all steaks. And I could put down a payment on a nice car, you know what I mean? And I could, I could, I could spend that money, squander that money in all kinds of different ways. Or I could look for ways to make it go further yeah. for Star Trek Continues. Right. So what I did was, I don't know if you know this or not, I don't think this is a spoiler, but hey, if it is, what a better place to share it than on the Trek Geek podcast. Our fifth episode is the first episode off the ship. Yes. It is a it is 80% location episode. Wow. But that means it's 20% on the ship. Right. Right? So as we were getting ready and prepping to shoot episode four in January, I said to my team, you know what? If we were to hunker down and finish the script and casting and get everything together that we needed for episode five by the time we shoot four, while we've got everybody down there already for episode four, let's just tag two extra days on and shoot the 20% of episode five Mm -hmm. that takes place on the ship, thereby saving our production $14,000 or $15,000 and flying people down again and putting them in hotels again. For, for what? For a two-day shoot? You know right. what I mean? Sure. <clears throat> so that's what we did. Instead of shooting nine days, we shot 11 days. Excuse me, 12 days. And th- the three of those days were episode five shoots. On the bridge, sick bay, briefing room, whatever. And we would literally do, and I'm very excited to say, we did exactly what they did in the original series. They would come in and shoot, you know, they'd come in to shoot the Tholian web, and they'd shoot the Tholian web and in, the, in the morning, and then they'd break for lunch. And then when they'd come back, they'd have to pick up a couple of shots from Mark of Gideon. <laughs> and then maybe they needed to pick up from uh, Cat's Paw. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Right. That was the way a TV series ran. Mm-hmm. As you were putting one together, you realize you well, – wait a minute. Let me start again. As you were putting a series together, you're shooting multiple episodes at the same time almost. And, and we were able to do that with episode four and five where we shot uh, the 20% of episode five at the same time that we shot four. And I just saw the numbers from our accountant two weeks ago, and we saved ourselves $14,000. Wow. 
by by doing it the way we did it. That's great. Um, <clears throat> have you broken the stories for episode six or anything beyond that? Um, no. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I we've not even told anybody much about episode five mm-hmm. because obviously you want to keep people excited and oh, yes. enthusiastic. You don't want to give away too much. Um, and uh, and episode six is in the works. Um, I have a dear friend who has come up with a really great idea, and uh, and he's working on the script as we speak. He told me he would have a draft of of episode six uh, by Phoenix Comic Con, and once I get a script in my hands, we can start breaking it down and deciding what works and what doesn't, and how it needs to be tweaked and adjusted. And the goal is to shoot episode six in the fall. Okay. Nice. So, you know, Vic, earlier we spoke about, well, I guess ongoingly, we've spoken about your passion for the original series. Uh, do you have that same passion for the spinoffs? Um, or what are your thoughts on those? Do you have a, a preference in the order of which you watch them? You know, I, I don't, you guys. I, I have to confess. When Next Generation came out, I wanted to like it. I wanted to. I watched it, but it didn't grab me the way TOS did. Now, maybe it was the time in my life when I found TOS. Maybe it was what was going on in my life when Next Gen was released. But I'm dear friends with Brent and Marina and <clears throat> Michael Dorn and, you know, these guys and George and, and, uh, and, uh, LeVar. We do convention to, appearances all the time and as you know uh marina's even the voice of our computer right and 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 uh, michael dorn was the voice for the computer in the mirror world but mirror universe but i never had the same passion for next gen that i did for tos and i must tell you every subsequent incarnation of star trek in my mind in my heart got further and further away from whatever made the original series so magical. Now, I don't speak for everybody. I totally understand that. My girl, Michelle, she grew up on Next Generation. She loves Next Generation. That's great. But for me, TOS was what inspired me. And so that's where my passion lies. I have no real interest in the motion pictures, uh, except for the fact that the the best thing the motion pictures probably did was probably got a younger generation of kids going back to watch original Star Trek right. because they became curious about where it all started. Right. So in as much as J.J. was able to direct attention back to the original series, I applaud him for that. So I want you to know something, too, before I forget. Sure. I wanted to say this. When we were talking earlier about, about Star Trek being my inspiration, and I even wanted to become an actor when I was a little boy. I, I started auditioning for school plays. Because I wanted to be like Captain Kirk. I wanted, to, I wanted to play. I wanted to act. Approximately three weeks ago, I was a guest of honor at the Middle East Film and Comic Con with Bill Shatner. Mm-hmm. And he and I spent, he and his wife and I, we've, we've known each other. We've, we've been together for several conventions. We've gone to dinner together. We've had multiple conversations. But when we spent five days in Dubai, guys, we were... We spent lots of private time together, personal conversation time together. And I had the opportunity to tell him at dinner, sitting overlooking the Persian Gulf one night, I told he and his wife, when his his wife was actually asking me about Star Trek Continues, I've never spoken of Star Trek Continues to Bill because I want to be his friend. I, I want him to see me as a peer. I don't want him to see me as some nutty, crazy fanboy. Um, and so I've developed a good friendship with him. And when we went to Dubai, we spent massive amounts of quality time together. And I allowed his wife to actually ask. She she was the one who actually asked questions about what we were doing. I showed her some photos and her jaw dropped. And she handed my cam- my phone to Bill. And said, Bill, have you seen these? My God, he looks like a young you. <laughs> and I showed Bill some of the photos and had the opportunity to tell his wife 
with Bill right there a foot away, so he heard too, what I told you guys, that Star Trek inspired me when I was 10 years old. And I, and I even looked at Bill and I said, Bill, do you realize that probably most of what I do today, I do because of your inspiration 40 years ago? That must be unbelievable for someone to hear that directed right at them. That's that's really something. Um, it, it's funny you're talking about your trip to Dubai because my actually my ner- my very next question actually was about that, and um, it amazes me, Vic, when I'm following the Trek Continues uh, Facebook page and I see posts from everyone that I'm in Dubai with William Shatner for the Mid East Film and Comic Con, or I just got back from Sydney, Australia for the premiere of Episode Three. Um, you've all been, you and the rest of the cast have been so successful with this project. Uh, but did any of you have any idea that Star Trek Continues would propel you and the cast to this level of popularity that you're seeing, uh, that you're traveling the entire globe on a regular basis after only three episodes have been uh, released? Well, I, I must tell you, I must tell you, I get invited to these events because of my voice acting career. Um, I, I'm not invited. <clears throat> I was not invited to Dubai because of Star Trek Continues. Okay. Um, in fact, the event in Australia last year that we premiered episode three, I have been a guest at that convention five or six times in the past as a voice actor. So I, I, I don't get invited to the, I, I get invited to these events because of my long, uh, involved career as a voice actor and being involved in a lot of different popular animated series and video games. However, having said that, um, I was very, 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 very excited to be able to afford the other other cast members the chance to go to Australia, all expenses paid, Mm -hmm. to, to premiere episode three last year. And I'm very, very, very honored that Phoenix Comic Con has really rolled out the red carpet to our cast and crew for episode four uh, next month. Um, what I what I cannot give them in money, I would love to be able to give them in publicity, in uh, in um, uh, fan encouragement and support. I would love. For the people involved in this production to to get the chance to experience and enjoy the fruits of of their labor in any way possible, um, so I'm very very glad for those opportunities when we can get them. And I I don't know what the future of, of STC will be. Um, uh, it would be great if we could get more opportunities to do something like this, where we can bring you know cast and crew out. And more of the people involved in the production can get more of that much-deserved attention and applause. Right. You know, Vic, I just want to, uh, I want to ask you one quick question about Shatner. Mr. Shatner, sorry. I, I know that I got back into going to conventions just so I could go get my photo taken with William Shatner. And my wife made it possible for me to go. And I know myself... I did not sleep the night before because I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going to meet William Shatner tomorrow. Um the first time you ever had dinner with him, now, you know, fan to fan, you know, what was that like, man? Did you sleep at all? Well, I, I certainly slept, but I, I I did sleep. Where did you meet him? Where did you have your photo taken? With uh, at the, uh, the Star Trek convention in Boston. Uh, we live about an oh, hour okay. north. And when was that? Uh, that was about two years ago, and then I went back that summer to get it signed. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um. I, uh, Bill and I were, uh, we have the same manager, by the way. We have the same event manager who books us into conventions. And he knows of my love for Bill. And so <clears throat> he's been very, very kind in, in, you know, in booking me into events as a voice actor signing guest that Bill's going to be at the event, you know, as a signing guest as well. So he, I've been able to facilitate the opportunity to spend time with Bill. The very first one of those was Wizard World New Orleans uh, two, two years ago. And after we signed, we went to dinner. And I was sitting beside Bill. And he was leaning in, telling me a story. And he put his hand on my forearm 
for emphasis. Like he was, you know, he was he was making an emphatic point at this point in the story that I wanted to tell you about this <laughs> amazing thing that happened. That's awesome. And he reaches in and he puts his arm on, he puts his hand on my forearm and deep in the recesses of my mind, the 12 year old Vic Mignogna thought, oh my God, <laughs> the Captain Kirk has his hand on your forearm right now and you are looking dead into his face from about nine inches away. And it was, but I, but you know, Michelle will even tell you, I always play it really cool when I'm around him. We joke and we laugh. And like I said, I've never, ever talked Star Trek with him. Right. He gets that everywhere he goes. Right. So <clears throat> we've had a wonderful, many, many wonderful occasions to interact. I think I have, you know, I have so many wonderful experiences, personal experiences already with Bill that, that I will cherish forever. One of the first ones was, I'll tell you a few real quick if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of them was um, we were at Phoenix Comic Con, and I was sitting in the green room having a break from signing, and Bill came in and sat down at the table with me, and he said, now, Vic, tell me, <laughs> what is Full Metal Alchemist? Now, you guys may not know, but Full Metal Alchemist is a show that I play the lead role in, and it's a, one of the most popular things that I've ever done. And Bill happened to see it somewhere, you know, on maybe on the program booklet or on a schedule or on my banner or something. Can you imagine the euphoria of William Shatner asking me to tell him about this show that I'm in? Um, I, I sat there and told him the whole story. And then at the, at, at the perfect moment, Michael Dorn walks into the green room, who also is a big anime fan. And I said, Michael, tell Bill about Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> and Michael Dorn, by the way, I had lent Michael Dorn my, my, my Full Metal Alchemist DVDs so he could watch it. <laughs> so he leaned over and put his arm on Bill's around Bill's shoulder, and he said, it's a fantastic series, Bill. You'd wow. love it. Another early on experience was my manager asked me if I would go out and stall the crowd for Bill's Q&A session. There were 5,000 people in a ballroom waiting for his Q&A, and Bill was running behind. <laughs> and my manager said, would you, uh, would you go out and warm them up? And I'm like, what do you mean warm them up? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> He said, I don't know, just go out there and tell them the rules about no flash photography and tell them that Bill's running behind, blah, blah, blah. So I walked out on stage and I said, hi, everybody. My name is Vic Mignogna. I'm a voice actor for shows like Full Metal Alchemist and Dragon Ball Z. And every a lot of people actually cheered, which I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised by. Um, there is a great a great deal of overlap, I think, in, in fandoms. And then I told them the little rules and everything. And then I... I <clears throat> I kind of looked off to the side into the wings to see if Bill was there yet, and he wasn't. And my, my manager gave me the old keep talking symbol. And suddenly the sound man, the sound man for the, for the convention, who was standing over on the edge of the, uh, the stage, waved for me to come over to him. And he said, uh, and I walked over there real quick, and he said, hey, do you remember me? I was running sound last weekend at the convention you were at. And I said, no, Hi. And he said, I still have that Dragon Ball Z theme song that you sang last week at your Q&A session. Do you want to sing it? And I thought, damn, that's a good idea. I can, I, can, I can kill 45 seconds with that. So I went back out on stage and I said, any Dragon Ball Z fans here? And a bunch of people cheered. And I said, well, I happen to sing the theme song and, and we're killing time here anyway. So here it goes. And the guy rolls it and I start singing the theme song. Halfway through the same theme song, I look into the wings and here's Bill. He's, he's, he's made his way up into the wings and he's standing there beside our manager and he, and he gives me a big smile and a big thumbs up. And as soon as I finished the song, I said, okay, let, enough of that. Let's get to why we're all here. Please welcome the greatest starship captain in the Star Trek universe, Mr. William Shatner. And he walked out 
and put his arms around me and hugged me on stage in front of 5,000 people. Now, I've never even asked for a photo with Bill, you guys. Right. But the week following that convention, I got four or five emails from fans who were in the audience who snapped pictures of him hugging me. That's awesome. Um. I'm actually getting a little choked up thinking about it. Um, I've I've had the privilege to to have some wonderful moments um, with him. When we were in Dubai last week, he was so kind, and uh, we uh, we just had a really or a few weeks ago we had a great time together. Um, I I often tell people I've I've been more blessed in my life than I deserve by far. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful for the chance to do what I do. And, and I'm very, very gratified that Star Trek continues is doing well and people are enjoying it. Um, and, and getting to, getting to have built the relationship with Bill that I have is, is priceless. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Vic, um, for Bill and I sitting here talking to you for the last 45 minutes or so is priceless to us because you have shared so much of what drives you for this project and we cannot thank you enough for spending the time to talk about what you love so much and what we love so much is watching the magic that you have created with this show. Both of us hope that it continues for a really long time because it is it is the definition of Trek and we well, can't thank you enough. God bless you guys. I uh you know, I always tease that we have to hurry up and make more episodes because I can only play a 37-year-old guy for so long. <laughs> um, but um, but we are very, very, very humbled and blessed to be able to do it. And I are you guys by any chance going to be in Phoenix? I wish. No, we're not. And and since you brought that up, I might as well let it happen because it happens every show. It does. He's going to get on my case right now because unfortunately I can't go to Vegas this summer, and he is going. So he's been uh, like being a big brat about that all for the last couple months. Um, so so, so Vic, ahead, Bill. here's the plan, Vic. I'm gonna I go to Vegas every year. I go with some buddies of mine. We play some golf. We go to the convention. We have a great time. I'm going to take as many selfies as I can with people from Star Trek Continues, the cast, whomever, and send them to Dan the entire weekend just so he knows how great a time I'm having. I think that as a friend, it's the best thing I can do. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I Last year, I had a convention appearance scheduled the same weekend as the Vegas Con, and I went to the Vegas Star Trek convention one afternoon before I had to leave, and I, I, I was sorry that I couldn't be there, and I promised myself that this year I'm going to be there the whole time. So I'm going to be there the entire weekend. Um, I will look forward to seeing you there, and I tell you what, I'd like you to include me in your foursome. Let's go play some golf as well. <laughs> All right, so here's what we do. We golf at night because it's too damn hot during the day. What? Yeah, so at the uh, at the top flight center south of this trip uh, past Mandalay Bay, it's a nine-hole executive course, and they are lit, my friend, for night golf. You are welcome is to join like, us. Is it all anytime. like R3 stuff? Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. It's fun. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, the, the booze cart comes around, and, you know, we just we have fun. Nobody's really keeping score. We're there to just play and have a great time because we do this trip every year. Okay, don't let him well, don't let him fool you, Vic. He doesn't keep score because he's horrible at golf. That's true uh, also. That's, that's <laughs> fine. Hey, that's fine. Any any excuse to play golf, I'll take it. Um and uh the as you guys probably already know, the um the episode will go online, will go live online uh right after the premiere, I guess at midnight that night, as the other episodes have. So uh, I, I will look very forward to hearing from you and getting your thoughts on the new episode, especially given the, the little bit of information that I shared with you earlier. Uh, I'll be very interested in hearing your thoughts on the episode. It's going to make the next month absolutely interminable. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, and I, I actually have a le- even, even have a little surprise for the attendees at Phoenix. The nice. people that are able to be at the premiere, I have a little surprise, and I'm not going to say any more than that. Okay. Wow. But, All right. Um, that's what we're working on. Well, thanks again so much. Uh, folks, his name is Vic Mignana. You know him as Captain James T. Kirk on Star Trek Continues. Thanks, Vic. We had a great time, and be sure to say hi to Michelle for us. 
I will certainly do it, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Dan, after that conversation with Vic Mignogna, I really only have one thing to say. Do you know what that is? You are usually full of of anecdotes and 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 just things that make me stop and go, wow. But so no, it could be anything. It's this. <laughs> I'm going to golf with Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, man. I'm not going to be there. No, you really won't. <laughs> Still. No. Um, I, one thing I do want to say is is um, you can't really tell very much during the interview. We got to really hand it to Vic, not only for, for putting up with you for an hour and, and <laughs> having a, a really good conversation with me, but um, the fact that he has been very ill for a week to 10 days. Um, when we first started talking to him, you could tell that he is just getting over whatever he had, but he was right. I mean, you could still hear the passion and, and, and how determined he is to make this succeed. And it's just another example of how, uh, how special a guy he is. And he was, he was great to talk to. You know, the thing that strikes me most about talking to Vic and this project, Dan, is that this, this is not a project of vanity, like so many other independent productions can be or, you know, whether they're good or whether they need some work or, or whatever. But he's committed to putting out the best version of Star Trek that he can. And I think that's really the thing that that impresses me the most. You know, he talked about, um, uh, you know, how he felt inspired by the original series and by by Bill Shatner. Um, after talking to him, I feel inspired and I, I feel like going back and, and blowing through the original 79 episodes again, just because he really captures that, that spirit and that embodiment. It's interesting you say that because I would say it slightly different is, is he talked about how Shatner inspired him. Talking to Vic inspires me about Vic. That's how passionate he is about this project. And it's kind of a... It's kind of too bad that it's only three episodes in and the fourth one's coming out in a few weeks and then six and seven and we don't know how f- much further it's going to go. This show is so good. I I wish we knew that it was going to last three to five more years um, because it will redefine the entire uh, original series. Uh, it has that potential, I think. I think so too. And you know, I'm happy that we're going to get what we get. I mean, we all wish it would be a little you know, yep. faster or or perhaps in greater frequency. But if they're going to produce stories like what they're putting out, then as much as it, <laughs> much as it stinks to have to wait that long, I'm going to wait right. and I'm going to be happy about it. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's something that we actually had. <clears throat> we had discussion uh, about a question to ask Victor in the interview, and we decided not to ask it because it was kind of one of those uncomfortable questions. And that's, and we'll ask it now without Vic on the line, we can discuss it a little bit is would it be good if a studio picked this up? And I think it's a catch 22. If it did, if it's picked up by a major studio, I'm afraid that it's going to lose what it is right now because the studio is going to demand timeframes and budget cuts and this, that, and the other thing. Whereas if we wait eight to 12 months in between episodes, we know that what we're going to get is what we've seen for the first three. And I guarantee the fourth episode coming out on May 29th. Oh, I totally agree. I think that involvement by a network, any network, and of course in this case it's going to be CBS would be, you know, tantamount to, you know, diluting the product. You know, there was an interview with Jonathan Frakes that came out last week about, you know, why is there no Star Trek on TV? And he's, he said, well, CBS doesn't want it because he feels the product is diluted. And I think that network control over something like Star Trek continues where the story is, you know, so tantamount to everything they do. I think it would probably dilute that product, too. And I, I'm kind of glad that, you know, like I said, it is, as much as it is not frequent as we wish it were, uh, I'm I'm glad that it's the quality that we're getting. It's like watching right. a 47 minute movie every time they put right. out an episode. Yep, absolutely. And we don't have to worry about a, a studio, CBS, or anything picking it up because we got Galaxy Quest coming to TV. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paramount. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Nice job, guys. Way to have your you know your finger on the pulse of fandom there. <laughs> now, well, Galaxy Quest was a fun movie, but. Uh, Moving on. 
<laughs> Moving on. So uh, episode four, The White Iris, debuting in just a couple of weeks. You know, we'll certainly be alerting people to when it's out uh, via the Trek Geeks page, but also you should follow Star Trek Continues too um, to be sure that, you know, you're up to date with everything they're doing. Phoenix Comic Con is coming soon, folks, and where a lot of us are going to spend a, a good hour or so geeking out over that episode. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. My favorite word when we're talking about Star Trek continues. I know. I, know. It's not like I never use that word. I, it's, <laughs> I, I am totally blown away right now. I just want you to Flummoxed. Know. Flummoxed. Oh, that's the word I was looking for. See? I am a dictionary. I've got another Don't F word Don't say for anything. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in case you, uh, you have any questions for us or you want to suggest a show topic... Um, maybe a maybe a an element of, of news in the Star Trek world you'd like for Dan and I to maybe even debate over um, because we don't always see eye to eye on things. Um, or maybe you want us uh, to ask a question of Vic Mignogna the next time he's on after the White Irish premieres. Um, Dan, how might people get in touch with us to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, as always, you can reach out on Twitter, Facebook, or Skype. Our handle is Trek Geeks, or you can send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can always give us a call at area code 508-784-1701. And for those of you that are really thinking, you can probably figure out what those last four digits signifies. Wow. I couldn't tell people about 74656 a couple of episodes ago, and now you can drop a hint on 1701. <laughs> Where's the parody? I'm just glad that you. I'm glad you were able to get that number. It's kind of special. <laughs> oh, that's that's your birthday, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. also if you want, if you want to send a uh, tweet uh, to Bill individually, his handle is at TrekGeekBill. And if you want to send me something telling me how stupid I sound when I make jokes about that uh, phone number, you can send me a tweet at at DCDDS9. <laughs> um, also, please remember that any comments or messages you will will be used in a future episode. We also have to take this opportunity to thank the five guys who are in Five Year Mission. Um, they create original songs based on classic Star Trek episodes, and soon they're going to be releasing their Year 4 album. Um, so if you haven't yet, go to their site, buy Years 1, 2, and 3. Those albums are fantastic. Uh, that's fiveyearmission.net, and show them some love. And One of these days we're going to get them on here, and we'll ask them about how the heck you go about writing songs about Star Trek? I, it's going to be a fascinating discussion when we have it. So they, they're coming out with their year four album? Yeah. So is that going to be songs about the Star Trek Continues episodes? No. <laughs> thank you for playing. And thank you for listening. This has been episode 14 of the Trek Geeks podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Live long and prosper. All right. Take care, everybody. We will see you next time. I just showed him my shirt. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She she is not amused by you. She is. And just think she gets to spend the next week with you in Disney. How lucky she is. Yes, she does get to spend the whole week with me in Disney. Right, baby? Are you excited? Hello? (laughs) I think she's topping off her drink. She's got to concentrate. I made her a Cosmo. Nice. A giant ice ball. I got those ice cube things that you make a giant ball, like in Kirk's class and when he's at the bar in the the rebooted Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, you might. Do you have a good chiropractor? I do. Because after you pat yourself on the back again, you might need him to give you an adjustment. Wow. That come from. Um, my mouth? What is that? Isn't that the coolest golf ball marker ever? Oh, Heisenberg. Heisenberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, you ready? Yes. So this is 14. Yes. Don't forget. <laughs> <clears throat> you remember how to pronounce his name?
Vic McNogna. <laughs> we would like to thank Vic McNogna. <laughs> Shapoopy. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Okay. Vic McNogna. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm good. Stop it. Stop it. It's the bit. <laughs> Just get Sorry. <laughs> Start. <clears throat> Could you imagine if we were actually on a TV show and this and they had to like cut every time because we started cracking up? That would be funny, wouldn't it? You're going to wind up on a date on a Dateline NBC. That'll be your <laughs> TV show. <laughs> Gonna? Yeah. Uh, again? Yeah. Yep. Murder okay. at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are clear. All right. In five, four, three, two, one. Okay, you counted it off wrong because you're supposed to go five, four, three. All right. <clears throat> Ready? Yeah. In five, four, three, 